Hi, everyone who's listening. Well, that was quite a week. There are two words that I would use to describe my experience, both personally and professionally, and those two words would be tumultuous and disorienting. It feels like the entire world has turned on a dime, turned and stopped, or if not stopped, slowed down to a crawl. And right now it kind of feels a little bit like the calm before the storm, at least at the social level. I mean, I understand with kids home and they're isolated and regular March break activities are shut down. I'm sure it's anything but calm in many households, including mine. I saw this pretty funny meme that someone posted where the top panel of the meme said perception of homeschool moms last week. And it shows a group of Amish ladies and the bottom panel says perception of homeschool moms this week. And the panel picture is Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman. And I, I laughed at that because I thought, wow, that is so true. It's remarkable how quickly our perception of things can change in seven days. But when there are serious disruptions in our lives, everything is affected, especially our perceptions, because our perceptions are formed partly based on what we expect to happen. So when the status quo is altered, and especially if the status quo is altered rapidly and without, our, without notice, our sense of reality gets fundamentally shaken. And there's a, a kind of disorientation that sets in that is very difficult to articulate. You hear people using language like anxiety and fear and panic, but all of those words sort of come up short. What we're experiencing is part fear, it's part confusion, part panic, part anxiety, part anger. And it's, I don't know if we have a word that kind of holds together all of these interior tension points that we're experiencing. I think it's remarkable though to think that at the global level, this disorientation is being experienced by billions of people all in this moment. We're all trying to adjust in real time to external forces that are changing the landscape of our lives in ways that we couldn't have anticipated even a few weeks ago. And add to that the challenge of absorbing and continually adapting to the intrapersonal forces and interpersonal forces that come into play during a crisis like this, man, it has been a taxing week. Now it's in light of this current experience of disruption and disorientation that I want to set a challenge before you. Don't waste this pandemic. Don't waste this pandemic. What do I mean by that? Well, if you haven't noticed, we are in uncharted waters. I've talked to enough frontline healthcare workers in this community to realize we're dealing with something unprecedented, at least in our lifetime. The coronavirus pandemic is a disruption on an order that some even believe is unprecedented at the global level. But what that means is that within the context of this pandemic is maybe a once in a lifetime opportunity. In the Bible, times of significant disruption and disorientation are often redemptive turning points. 
They are used by God for good. They're used by God to get our attention as we've been sleepwalking through life. They're used by God to burn away the dross of foolish, lesser, or self-serving interests. They're used by God to return us to first things, the priorities and commitments and values that actually matter most. At 42 years of age, I've noticed that life can pretty quickly become overly layered with responsibilities and opportunities, many of them good. And then as my own FOMO kicks in, my own fear of missing out, I can strive to sort of seize the day and I can fall into this trap of thinking that if I seize the day and seize all that is possible in the day, that my life will become full and rich and meaningful. And yet my experience has been that simply trying to pull it all in leaves my life feeling bloated and increasingly frenzied and increasingly frenzied with secondary things. And this frenzy takes over and I find that the life God wants for me slowly gets choked out by many, many, maybe even good cares and uh, worries of this world. And I get slowly pulled back and down and into secondary concerns. And that's what makes times of disruption and disorientation so important for all of us. They're actually, I really believe, a gift from God because they help us to refocus on what we should have been focusing on all the time. Now, I use the word can there. I said they can help us refocus. I didn't use the word will because they don't necessarily help us refocus. They can but they won't necessarily. Six months from now, I guarantee you, there's going to be people who wasted this pandemic. And they, they're gonna squander it through all kinds of means. They're gonna waste it by trying desperately to cling to their life as it currently is, or they're gonna uh, waste it by desperately trying to recapture the life that they had before this pandemic broke out. They're going to waste this pandemic by continuing to reject and ignore God's prompting in their lives. They're going to double down on autonomy and self-sufficiency. They're going to waste this pandemic by giving into fear or panic and as a coping mechanism, either start or continue to numb themselves with alcohol, drugs, busyness, excessive entertainment, and they're going to miss amazing new opportunities for growth for themselves, for their relationships, for their family, for their work that is going to open up as a result of this pandemic. And they're going to waste this pandemic by centering on secondary questions of importance. They're going to move right into what we would think of the practicalities of life. Uh, okay, I'm going to have to work from home now. What does that look like? How do I work from home effectively? How does my family schedule need to adjust? What will be our plan moving forward financially? How do I homeschool my kids? Now, these questions are good. They're necessary. They have to be addressed, but they aren't primary questions. The primary questions that I believe God would have us pause and ask during this time of disruption include questions like, what are my highest priorities and values? And to this point today, have I been driven by these values or has the pause that this pandemic has offered me 
show me that I've gotten sidetracked along the way somewhere. Here's another question. What have been the objects of my worship that I've been building my life around? What ultimate things have I been committed to? And I say that because we all serve somebody. It's not a matter of uh, if you serve somebody, it's who or what you're going to serve. What has been the God, lowercase g, that you've been dedicating your life to to this point? This might be a good time to ask the question, has he, she, it delivered on its promise? You gave your allegiance over to it at some point in your life because of the promise that you perceived it would fulfill. Has it done that? Another question, what vision of the good life have I been investing in? And before this pandemic kind of brought the world to a halt, was I achieving it? And even if I was, was it actually good? Was it good for me? Was it good for my family? Was it good for my community? Jesus told a story once about two home builders, one who built their house on a rock, one who built their house on sand. He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus' astounding claim is not that houses built on a strong foundation or stormproof. That's obvious to anybody. His astounding claim is that the only foundation upon which it's wise to build the house that is your life is him and his teachings. Will you waste this pandemic? You will if you never address the question, what foundation have I been building on? It's very possible to build on a faulty foundation that will give way when you need it to be secure most. When everything is going well, when the economy's roaring and your friend network is buzzing and things at work and home are just flowing, everyone's life looks awesome. Everyone's foundation looks secure. Everyone's foundation looks solid. But when there's tribulation, when there's testing, that reveals the foundation of someone's life. And this is the opportunity that a pandemic offers us. We can begin to see the need to build on a better foundation. And that foundation is Jesus and his teachings. And we can stop whittling our lives away on secondary concerns and recalibrate to true north. In a context of people who were scattered uh, mentally and in terms of how they spent their time by their worry and anxiety, Jesus said these words. He said, don't worry, saying, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Jesus said, for the pagans run after all these things. And he's saying pagans referring to those who don't believe in the true God. And he says, but your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. So therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will, will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
See, globally, right now, the world is scrambling to access true power and wisdom and guidance and security. Where are they looking for it? Where are you looking for it? Jesus says if you turn to him and set your will to prioritize his kingdom, which is a big word that essentially means living to glorify him and to make him your priority, and his righteousness, which is a word that means pursuing what he says is right instead of what is doing right in your own eyes, there's a promise. He says all these secondary issues, which are totally valid, they're, 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 they're important issues. What are we going to drink? Where is this going to come from? What are we going to wear? How are we going to handle things at work? How do I homeschool my kids? How are we going to take care of finances? Those are valid. But he says, if you prioritize God's kingdom and his righteousness, all those other issues are going to be taken care of. That's quite a promise. And it's quite a promise for me to put in front of you in the context, context of a pandemic. But I do so in full faith and confidence. Because I want to be honest with you, I can absolutely attest to the validity of Jesus' promise here and his faithfulness in keeping it. I've been in many situations in life where I've been tempted to get sidelined and sidetracked by competing priorities, to try and rely on my own strategies to fix all of the issues that I see swirling around on the periphery of my life. But when I've recentered myself on Jesus and his mission and pared it down and said, what I'm going to focus on in this time is glorifying God and serving Jesus as faithfully as I can and looking to him. The other worries, the other concerns, they got taken care of. See, when Jesus is enthroned in the center of our lives, and I mean that not in terms of, um, not as a religious concept, or it's like, oh, I believe in Jesus, or like, oh, I go to church on Sunday, or I pray once in a while. I mean enthroned in the center of your life. You gain access to true power and deep wisdom and trustworthy guidance and sure security. So you will waste this pandemic if you fail to seize it as an unparalleled opportunity to establish a saving relationship with Jesus. And then to deepen your relationship with him through discipleship, which is a big biblical word that basically just means learning from a teacher, learning from an ex expert, how they want you to live. Now, I totally get that some people might be listening to this and they might have some, some exposure to Christianity or the church, but language around relationship with Jesus or giving your life to Jesus or prioritizing Jesus sounds really strange or awkward. I don't even know what that would look like. Well, you don't need to know what it looks like at this point. You just need to understand how it begins. And it begins by recognizing that it's not fundamentally about going to church, which is easy not to do now because all the churches are closed. It's not about opening up your Bible. It's not about praying. It's about first stopping and saying, Jesus, I realize I need you and I want to hand over the leadership of my life to you. You need to ask for help. You need to hand over the throne of your heart. And that can be done through a prayer as simple as, as this. You just say, Jesus, I want you to be the leader of my life. I want you to save me from my selfishness and my sinfulness. I realize that I need you. I don't understand Jesus, what this is going to mean for the totality of my life, but I know 
that you are the source of power, wisdom, guidance, and security that I need. And I want to give you my life. I want to give you the throne of my heart. I want to turn away from living based on what is best in my own eyes. And I want to turn to you and I want to start learning today what it means to live with you and for you as my highest and first priority. If you have never said a prayer like that before, but you want to, or you did, please contact me this week. And then whether or not you have said that prayer recently, or that was a prayer that you prayed many, many decades ago, and you have been uh, striving to follow Jesus faithfully since, my counsel is the same for the next question, which is, okay, here I am, we're at the front front end of this pandemic. How do I deepen my discipleship walk to Jesus during this time? Let me encourage you this week to do four simple things. And I'm just saying this week because I've just thrown out the idea that it's possible to anticipate what's coming down the pipe 10 days from now, um, yet alone a month or two. So for the week ahead, let's focus on these things. Number one, let's use this time to connect and encourage each other. Make this a daily priority to encourage one another. Encourage someone in your life. Literally, the Latin means to place courage inside of someone else. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. Use your words to put courage into those around you who are buckling under fear, anxiety, pressure, being overwhelmed. Encourage frontline healthcare workers in your life. Encourage one another. Number two, use this time to process everything that you're feeling in the context of prayer and worship. There's a guy in the Old Testament called Job, long story short, loses everything. His life just literally implodes as he's attacked by Satan. He's informed about these in, a successive, um, in successive, uh updates from different people in his life. But in short order, he loses everything. And we read that his very first response was to worship God. Now, sometimes we think that worship is what we do when we're feeling happy or excited about what God is doing in our life, but worship is actually the context whereby we simply recenter ourselves on the greatness and grandeur of who God is, and we recalibrate ourselves. We seek first Him and His kingdom, and then it's in that context that we're free to bring all of who we are to God. In 1 Peter 5, 7, Christians are actually encouraged to cast all your anxiety on him, right? The Bible doesn't say, oh, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't have anxiety. It doesn't say that. It just says, when you have anxiety, cast it on him because he cares for you. And so bring it all to God, the good, the bad, the ugly, anything that you're processing as it comes up, things little and small, just keep praying about it. Keep giving it over to God. Put on worship music. Um, doesn't have to be happy, clappy stuff. It can be deep worship of lament awesome, but process what you're feeling in the context of prayer and worship. Number three, use this time to learn and grow in biblical wisdom. Paul writes to the Philippian church, and in chapter four, he says, finally, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And what he's saying is set your mind on these things. Don't get distracted by what is false and ignoble and not true and impure and ugly and um, detestable. This is a time 
for your own mental well-being and spiritual well-being where we need to think about that which is true and good and lovely and right and pure and excellent. We need to limit our exposure to negative news and media and instead dig into the Word of God. I'd really encourage you to take advantage of four to seven day studies through the Bible app or version on, uh, I think it's version on most uh, app stores. Um, there's thousands of free online video studies available through our church for free uh, via Right Now Media. Awesome stuff that you can, um, where you can grow quickly and deeply across a number of uh, really pertinent and relevant uh, topics and uh, books of the Bible. Take advantage of those. Connect with phone, sorry, connect by phone and video into conversations with your friends and family members. You know, move into deep discussions about serious things, about things that really matter. Not just, don't just pass the time. Like lean into conversations about what it means to follow Jesus in a pandemic scenario. We're all learning this in real time. No one's an expert here. And so we need to rely on each other, but let's make sure that the advice we're giving is grounded in scripture and we're helping each other think through how does the scriptural, how, how does the scriptural truth that I'm learning about here change how I approach life in the midst of a pandemic? Lastly, wash your hands, but be prepared to wash feet as well. We've heard a lot about hand washing, the importance of hand washing to prevent transmission of the virus. But in scripture, washing feet is a metaphor for being a servant and being willing to go low and serve those around you, even if we're in a position of power and privilege. I think it's important for me to say that there are going to be difficult days ahead for all of us. And we need to prepare for them now. And part of that preparation is realizing the church is called to wash the feet of others just like Jesus did. And this means we're going to be called upon as individuals and as a church to help in ways that are going to stretch us out of our comfort zone. They're going to stretch us out of our financial comfort zone and relational comfort zone and emotional comfort zone and spiritual comfort zone and prayer comfort zone. You name it. So as your pastor, I would say you need to get ready. And getting ready looks like doing some of these things, encouraging one another and using the time to deepen in prayer and deepen in your engagement in the world. But it also means things like getting good rest, exercise, eat good food, right? Charge the batteries so that when demanding times come, and please hear me, they are going to come. We are in a position as the church to serve with vigor and endurance. Please don't waste this pandemic. Don't squander this once in a lifetime opportunity. God uses times of disruption and disorientation to wake us up and return us to the first things that matter most. And the one who matters the most is Jesus. This is his world. He reigns. And he has not given us a spirit of cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. So as you go into this new week, family and friends of Nelson Covenant Church, a week that will likely hold new disruptions and new 
and deeper and further disorientation, may you be woken up to what matters most and return to first things. May you seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. May you build on Christ, the solid rock, and find in him the power, wisdom, guidance, and security that the world is clamoring for. And may the love of God the Father, the grace of God the Son, and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with you all this week. God bless.